Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. I want to welcome everybody joining us today across all of our Christ Fellowship locations. It's great to have you with us today. Everybody joining us online as well. We love you. Special shout out to the men at the Okeechobee Correctional, Martin Correctional, and Sable Palm. Those are our prison campuses. Come on, give it up for these guys. We love you and we're praying for you uh, today. Hey, before we jump into uh, the message that God's laid on my heart to share as we kick this series off together. I want to take a minute to thank God for what He did across our church this week with Revival Nights. It was an amazing outpouring of the presence of God. Every night we had about nine, ten thousand people showing up, crying out to God. Uh, altars were full. Students were leading the way. I mean, it was a. We saw bodies healed. We saw people set free. We saw people getting right with God. We saw people being filled with the Holy Spirit. It it was a powerful move of God that I believe our church is never gonna be the same because of these three. Now, I never want it to be the same. In fact, I told our team, I said, uh, every Sunday's Revival Sunday. From now on, every Sunday's Revival Sunday. Every time we get together, it's revival. It's, it's time we are saying, Holy Spirit, come revive us, do a mighty work in our life. We are ready in Jesus' name, amen. This week, we're kicking off a brand new series, Too Good to Not Believe. We just sang about it. Jesus is too good to not believe. What he wants to do in your life and through your life, it's too good for you not to believe what he has for you and what he wants to see in your life. And so over these next several weeks, we're gonna be exploring some of the miracles of Jesus and asking ourselves, what does it tell us about Jesus and what does it mean for us? And how do we experience the miraculous in our lives today? Now, when we talk about miracles or the miraculous, we all come at this with a little bit different perspective, right? We, we tend to approach uh, God and something like this, the supernatural, look at it through the lens of our own experiences. So if you have prayed for a loved one to be healed and they didn't get healed, or you prayed for your business or career to do something and it didn't quite work out the way you thought it would or should, you can come to a topic like this with reservation and wonder if miracles really do happen. Maybe they don't happen or maybe they don't happen for me. Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I didn't pray enough or maybe I didn't have enough faith. We're gonna be addressing all of that over these next couple weeks. The truth is we all have to deal with doubt when it comes to the supernatural. In fact, I believe that doubt is the natural response to the supernatural. Naturally, we go, how can that be? I'm not sure. So it's okay, we're gonna deal a little bit with the doubts that come with this. Now, as we jump into this, some people are just uh, naturally skeptical when it comes to the supernatural, right? They, they read something in here about a fish swallowing a man and rivers parting and body, ah, I, uh, that isn't logical. I can't get my mind around it. Can I tell you, I do not wanna serve a God that I can get my mind around. Our God is way too big for you to get your little mind around him. He is the everlasting without beginning or without end. God, the great I am, the, the almighty, the, the, the one who was and is and will be forevermore, right? So there are some that are just naturally skeptical. 
There are others that are naturally intrigued, right? They don't really know much about the supernatural. Maybe you fall in that category, but, but, but you're intrigued. Like, I don't really know about miracles, but if I need one, I'm gonna ask for one, right? And then there are many of us that I would say today, man, we believe in a miracle-working God. Man, he's a wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen too good to not believe. And so we pray for a miracle. We believe for miracles. We ask God to move mountains, but sometimes the mountains don't move exactly like we want them to. What do you do then? And so I wanna ask you, where do you find yourself on that spectrum as we start this series of, of talks and, and studies? Um, where do you, and, and I would challenge you to open yourself up for God to do something new on the inside of you when it comes to the supernatural over these next several weeks. I wanna start with a definition of, uh, of miracles. I've heard it uh, defined this way. It's when he, eternity invades humanity. It's an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. It's the, the temporary suspension of the laws of nature. And you've heard me say before, they're not really the laws of nature. They're really the laws of God since God created nature. So they're really the laws of God. And if they're the laws of God, he can suspend anything he wants anytime he wants because they're his in Jesus' name. Amen. But there are some evangelical Christians today that believe that miracles don't happen anymore today. They're, they actually believe that they cease to exist. And these people are called cessationists. And cessationists, or the theology of cessationism, believe that miracles happened in the Bible, but they just don't happen today. That there's no longer, this is no longer the day of miracles, there's no longer the working of the supernatural of God in, in the lives of man, that, that it stopped when the apostles died. In fact, there are very popular Christian authors and pastors out there today that are preaching this. The problem is it's not biblical. The problem is there's, there's no solid scriptural defense for, to say that God stopped performing miracles, that God stopped moving in the supernatural. He's a supernatural God. He's a miracle worker. It's who he, it's who he is. And the Bible says he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So he, he, that's who he is. And look, look what it says in Psalm 77. It says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. Leave that up for a minute. Notice it's not in the past tense. You perform ongoing, perform miracles. It's who you are. When you read the Bible, there are miracles all throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, God sent manna from heaven to fall on the ground out in front of the tents of the Israelites as they were wandering through the wilderness every day. It would be like waking up and having a bag of Brooklyn bagels on your front doorstep every morning. Glory to God. Wouldn't that be good? We see stories of, of God causing the widow's oil and flour never to run out when there was a famine. It was there all the time. Or, or we, we see the walls of Jericho falling down. In the New Testament, we read of, of Jesus healing the sick and opening up the eyes of the blind and raising the dead back to life. We, we, we witness him walking on, on the water or feeding the multitudes with a little boy's sack lunch or turning water into to wine. But you've got to ask yourself, why? Like, like, what's the purpose of a miracle? Is it just so that hungry people get fed and sick people get well? Is that, is that the reasoning behind why God performs miracles? Well, when you look at the original language of that word miracle in the Old Testament and the New, one of the most common words that you find in the Bible for that word miracle actually translates better as to the word sign. 
or signal. It's actually an event that points to something, communicates something specifically, and what it's specifically pointing to here is is God. And when you study the miracles of the Bible, you you see that they are all markers or, or signals that are actually pointing to God, helping people see God and understand God and realize the power and the presence of God in their own lives. And when you experience a miracle, when you experience the supernatural power of God in your life up close and personal, can I tell you, it will change your life because you will see God completely different. So today I wanna look at two miracles of, of Jesus that I believe relates to every one of us, no matter who you are, white, black, rich, poor, young, old, anything in between, right? The reason is because what Jesus did in these two encounters with his disciples is actually what he wants to do in our lives today. What he revealed to them, he wants to reveal to us today. It looked like any other day on the Sea of Galilee when the disciples made their way uh, to the boat. Now, most of them were fishermen, so they would have they would have been on this body of water many, many times. They, they, they would have known how to navigate the water. They would have nav- navigate even the rough seas that they would encounter along the way. But that day, as they climbed into the boat, they had no idea what was waiting for them, which is really how storms usually impact our lives, right? <laughs> Everything's looking good and, and calm and going nice in life. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a storm hits you and you're like, where did that come from? Well, it was actually Jesus's idea for the disciples to get in the boat that day and cross over. He said, let us go to the other side. So so they get in the boat and they begin to to row out into the middle of the lake and the Sea of Galilee is is miles wide. And so they were somewhere in the middle of the lake and uh, and Jesus is tired. So it says he goes and he falls asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat. Soon after they get rowing, it says that out of nowhere, the storm hits and the winds pick up and the waves start to crash against the boat and, and the disciples are, are frightened. They, they, begin to, they begin to panic and, and they're rowing with all their might trying to keep the boat afloat. And it, and it says that the, the boat starts to, to fill up with, with water and there's Jesus still asleep in the back of the boat, the Prince of Peace, completely at peace. Well, the disciples were anything but peaceful. And they were scared they were gonna die. And it says that they, they run back to Jesus and they wake him up and they say, Master, Master, don't you care that we are about to, to drown? Now, for them to believe they were about to drown must admit that this storm was pretty bad because they had probably weathered many, many storms on this sea before. That day, Jesus says he rose up, he stood up in the boat and he looked at the waves and the wind and he said three simple words that changed everything. Peace, be still. And instantly, the winds quieted. Instantly, the waves came to submission and obedience to their creator. The next thing it says is that Jesus turned to his disciples and he said to them, guys, why do you have such little faith? Where is Where is your your faith? I'm sure he thought, you've been with me for all this time. You've seen me heal the sick. You've seen me open up blinded eyes. You've seen me take a little boy's lunch and feed thousands. Where's your faith? And then it says the disciples looked at each other and said, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey his command? 
That's our Jesus. Now, the Bible says that we all are gonna have to face storms in our life. In fact, Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, he says, in this world, uh, look at that, you, what's that word? You will. You, you will, not maybe. Not, not you might have some trouble. No, that's not what he says. He says, I guarantee it. It's a guarantee. Thank you, Jesus, can I return that? No. He says, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is trying to help us understand something here. He's saying you better expect that you're gonna have some trouble in your life. And that definition of that word trouble in the original language isn't like, oh, you know, I spilled some coffee on my white pants. No, this is like serious trouble. This is like, like a persecution trouble, the heavy trials, the boat filling up with water kind of trouble. That's what he's talking about here. But then he says, take courage. It is I have overcome this world. Take courage because this world isn't all there is. In fact, let me tell you a little secret. These troubles remind us that this isn't our home. Heaven's our home. See, we're confu- we, we think that everything in life is supposed to go easy. We pray for it to go easy, right? We want to be comfortable in life. We don't want to have any, we don't want any sickness, we don't want any disease, we don't want any problems, we don't want any struggles. Hey, we're confused. That's heaven. That's not here. We live in a fallen world, right? We live in a world that is filled with sin and sickness and disease. And actually the struggles that we go through in life, the losses that we go through in life, they actually are there to remind us, oh, there's a day coming where there'll be no more suffering and no more sickness and no more disease. And I'm gonna be with God, right? It makes you hungry for home. Now, let me say this, God, doesn't cause the storm that you go through. He doesn't cause the storm. Sometimes we cause the storm ourselves by the choices that we, we make and those choices actually land us in a storm. Sometimes we get in a storm because of somebody else's choices, right? Remember the story of Jonah. Uh, Jonah disobeyed God and, and ran away from where his assignment was in Nineveh and he got on that boat and uh, a big storm brewed and he, he brought other people into the storm. His life was in danger, but everybody else's life was in danger. Some of y'all today are in a storm because of somebody else's stupid choices. And you know exactly who I'm talking about, right? So don't blame that on God. God didn't do that, that stupid person, that person did that. They're not stupid, but they made a stupid choice, right? Can I tell you this? It doesn't matter who caused the storm. God will use the storm in your life if you let him. It doesn't matter who caused it. You can go try to figure out who caused it. Why don't you just let God use it, right? So this storm, it says that the disciples were afraid. They wake Jesus up and he says those three words, peace be still. Now, isn't it great when God speaks to the storm? Isn't it great when God says a word? And sometimes he does that. Sometimes he speaks, he chooses to just speak right to the storm. He'll speak to the storm of sickness and he'll say, be well, be whole, be complete. Sometimes he'll speak to the storm of lack and he'll bring supernatural provision out of nowhere. And you're like, woo, yeah. Sometimes he'll speak to a, a spirit of heaviness and he'll flood your heart with joy and peace and hope. Sometimes God speaks to the storm and we love it when he does, but sometimes God wants to speak to you. Sometimes he wants to speak to you because he's got our attention in the storm, right? 
He, he's got our full attention. We're going, oh God, oh, I'm dying, I'm drowning. Oh, where are Wake up, wake up. But sometimes he actually wants to speak to us in the middle of that storm. There was another storm that took place in the Gospel of Mark, chapter six. And in, in this storm, Jesus wasn't in the boat. I mean, he was off on a mountainside uh, praying, it says, and the disciples were miles away out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm, it says, fighting for their life. And this is what it says in verse 48. It says, he, Jesus, saw, he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, which would have been about 3 a.m. in the morning, he went out to them walking on the lake. I want you to notice it says, go, can you go back to the beginning of that verse? It says, he saw the disciples. Let that sink in for a minute, because he wasn't with them. He was miles away, off on a mountainside, praying, but it says he saw them. He saw, he, his heart was focused on, I want you to know something today. God sees you today. He sees what you're going through. You're not going through it alone. He's got his eyes on you. He's been watching over you every day of your life. You are not forgotten. He's watching over you. And not only that, he's praying for you. Did you know that? The Bible says that Jesus right now is at the right hand of God the Father, interceding, which means praying earnestly on your behalf for you. So you've got Jesus as your personal prayer partner. What? What problem could you be worried about today? He is for you, he is with you, and on top of that, he comes to you in the middle of the storm, right? In the middle of the storm, he walks to the disciples as they are rowing for their life. In the middle of this storm, he walks to them. He, he walks, up. I know, I know, I know we think uh, God is doing his greatest work when everything is great in our life. I know, I'm the same way. Everything's good. All the bills are paid, everybody's healthy. Oh, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who, right, right? You know, you've been there. But the truth is, God lives in trouble. He lives all up in trouble. Don't believe me? Look at Psalm 46, verse one. It says, God, say it with me. God is a very present help in time of trouble. He's very present. He's very present in time of trouble. So when you're in trouble and you're in trouble and you're in trouble and I'm in trouble, guess where God is? Very present in trouble. There's a whole lot of trouble. Some of y'all are in a lot of trouble. He's living right there with you in the middle of that trouble. He meets us, get this, he meets us in the middle of our mess. He doesn't abandon us. It's beautiful. It says in Psalm 34, 18, that God is close to the brokenhearted and those that are crushed in spirit, he actually lifts up. See, you've got to remember that the presence of a problem does not mean the absence of your God. Too many people think when they face problems in life, oh God, where are you? Why have you left me? He hasn't left you. Just because it's hard doesn't mean God is gone. He's right there. He's picking you up. He's carrying you. He's helping you. He never promised no problems but he promised he'd always be with you. He promised he'd carry you, he promised he'd see you through no matter what you got to go through. So Jesus comes walking out to them on the water and it says when the disciples see him walking out on the lake towards the boat, it says that they are terrified and they go, it's a ghost, it's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in, in fear. So the disciples are in the boat, Jesus comes walking to them up towards the boat and they don't recognize him, which has always made me go, how could you not recognize him? 
I'm like, you've been with him 24 hours a day. You, you've seen, you just left him like two minutes ago. How could you not recognize? It wasn't like it was a month. It was like an hour. What, why did you not recognize him? I'll tell you why. Because when we get in the middle of a storm, we have a tendency to focus on the problem instead of the provision. We have a tendency to focus on our, on our, on our uh, dilemma instead of the deliverance that's walking right towards us. Let me challenge you, don't be so aware of your storm that you are unaware of your God. He's walking towards you, look for him. You need to pick your eyes up. Quit looking at the problem. Oh, this is so bad. Oh, what are we gonna do? Oh, pick your head up is what you're gonna do. You're gonna start looking out for Jesus. Where is he? I know he's coming, I know he's coming, I know he's coming. I don't know, I know, I know he's close. He's gotta be close because Todd said he's close, he's close. He may come to you in a way he never came to you before. He had never come to the disciples that way before. Keep your eyes open. So the disciples are freaking out, but then Jesus immediately says to them in verse 50, he says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Do you know that don't be afraid is the most common command in scripture? More than any other command of thou shalt or thou shalt nots, the most common repeated command in the Bible is don't be afraid, fear not. Why would that be the most common, most found command in the Bible? Except that God knows that the enemy will try to use fear to rob you of faith. He will constantly bring fear up to try to squelch your faith down. And without faith, it's impossible to please God or follow God or step out in faith or live in faith and be who you've created to be. So the enemy is constantly gonna bring fear up. And so Jesus says to somebody today, fear not, it is I, take courage. When he says it is I, that actual translation is I am. So it would read like this, take courage, I am. Take courage, I am. It is the exact same wording that God used when he spoke to Moses out of the burning bush that we read about last week when he says, I am that I am. Who do I say sent me? I am that I am. I am. I am the great I am. I am everything that you need. I am the alpha and omega. I am your source. I am your strength. I am your defender. I am your provider. I am everything that you need. Jesus, Jesus is saying today to somebody, he came to tell you, I am, take courage. He's here. He's got you, whatever you need, he's got. Now the same account of this gospel is also recorded in the gospel of Matthew, the same account. And uh, it records Peter's response. Once, once they recognize and Jesus says, it's me, Peter responds back and says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus replies, come. And so it says that Peter got out of the boat. Can you imagine? climbing out of the boat because it would be like that storm effect. Woo, that was still happening. And he got out of the boat and he began to walk on the water towards Jesus. This dude was doing something that nobody had ever done except Jesus. He was walking on the water. Now, we know what happens in just a minute. We're not focused on that right now. I am celebrating Peter's faith. I am celebrating that that man got out of the boat, trusted Jesus, heard the voice of Jesus, didn't just hear what Jesus said to do, but he actually did what Jesus said to do. A lot of people hear what Jesus say, but they don't do what Jesus says. And when they do that, we miss out on the miraculous. This was a miracle. 
Peter was walking on the waters. Remember I said, sometimes God speaks to the storm and sometimes God speaks to you. Sometimes God will speak to the storm and say, peace be still, but sometimes he's gonna speak to you and he's gonna call you out of whatever you're in. He's gonna call you out of the place you've been stuck in, the place you've been landing, and he's like, I got something else for you, but I gotta, I gotta get you out of that. And so he'll use the storm to speak to you. Listen to God in the storm. I can tell you from personal experience, the storms I've gone through, my natural response is to say, God, get me out of the storm. I think that's all of our natural response. We naturally want the storm to end. We naturally just want God, make it, make it go away. Because if it goes away, then everything's gonna be okay. And at times I have been so focused on um, the solution to the problem that I was missing what the Savior was wanting to speak to me, what God was wanting to do. I was so consumed with my own, my own comfort, uh, what I wanted, that I wasn't even listening to what God wanted or what he wanted to say to me. I was just, I was consumed with it. There's one storm that um, I've been in for years and I, uh, I really thought by now it would be over but it's not. But when I look back and I think about if God had answered my prayer to stop the storm years ago, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Because weathering the storm caused me to hold on to God. Weathering the storm caused me to trust in him and lean into him and listen to him and to step out and walk on some water that I had never walked on before. It built my faith. I wouldn't be the man of faith that I am today if I hadn't weathered this storm. So you might be in a storm today. They say that either you're coming out of the storm, going into one, or you're in one. So, you know, this pertains to everybody. Don't just worry about getting out of it. Ask God, God, what do you want to speak to me in it? What do you want to do, to, do with me and do inside of me? How do you want to build my faith in this moment? Because sometimes he speaks to the storm and sometimes he wants to speak to you. So in this storm, he calls Peter out. Out of his security, the boat, out of the familiarity, Peter was a fisherman. And he said, Peter, Peter had never, ever thought of getting out of the boat. This boat represented his, uh, his identity. This boat represented his uh, profession. This boat represented his security. This boat represented everything that he knew. And he had never stepped out of the boat into the water. Never. That's exactly what faith will do. It called him out of the familiar, out of the natural into the supernatural. See, sometimes God will uh, use a storm to call us up and other times he'll use a storm to call us out. Okay, think about the first storm. The first storm, uh, Jesus looked at them and said, why are you so afraid? By now, you should have better faith. What was he doing? He was calling them up. He was saying, come on, by now, guys, your faith should be stronger by now. You've been around me by now. And I've had God say that to me. Todd, by now, you should know better. By now, you should know uh, that I'm always gonna be there for you. By now, you should know when you take matters into your own hands, that never ends up. By now, you should know. He was calling us up. Sometimes God will use it to, to call you to grow up, grow up in your faith, or to get back up after you've fallen down. But in this storm, the second storm, he actually calls Peter out, out of his comfort zone into a faith zone, out of the unknown into, uh, into out of the known into the unknown. And while you and I will probably never be asked to walk on physical water like, 
like Peter was. I believe God will ask us to walk in places where our trust is without borders. To walk upon the waters where, where you've never walked before. And can I tell you that if you follow him in the middle of a storm, your storm will actually be a setup for the supernatural. It's, it's actually, if you look at it differently, look at, look at it like a, okay, this is a setup for God to do something and for me to step into something. Peter would have never walked on water without the storm. He would have never had a reason to get out of the boat except the storm was there and Jesus came out to them and, and Jesus called him out, right? It was a setup for the supernatural. We see this all through the Bible, right? Um, Daniel had to be thrown in the lion's den before God was gonna shut the mouth of the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to be thrown in a fiery furnace before God was gonna rescue them. Abraham and Sarah had to go through years and years of being barren before God was gonna give them the promise of, of Isaac, your storm is just a, a setup for the supernatural. That's, that's all it is, right? And as you walk through it, God is actually gonna reveal something about himself that you don't currently know. Both of these miracles resulted in the disciples having a greater revelation of Jesus, right? In the first one, they said, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey his command, that he, I'll tell you, he is the creator of the winds and the waves. That's who he is. All creation is under his control and authority. They had a greater revelation. And then in this second account, after Jesus and Peter get back in the boat, it says in verse 33, those who were on the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. It was almost like, oh, oh, now we see it, oh. You really are the son of God. There was a greater revelation. See, I want you to know the place of your desperation can become a place of revelation. Where you are desperate, oh God, that is a place where he will spiritually open your eyes and help you see the place of desperation becomes a place of revelation. When you came in today at all of our campuses, you should have received a, one of these white index cards. If you're online, you can just grab a, a pen and a piece of paper. Uh, if you don't have one of these, just raise your hand and one of the ushers will try to get one to you because I want everyone to participate in this next part. This is a very important part of activating your faith to ask God for what you need him to do, for what you want to see and what you need in this, in this season and in this time. And if you notice, in both of these miraculous encounters, the disciples asked Jesus for something. The first one, they wake him up and they say, Lord, we're, we're drowning, help us. Help us so that we don't drown. They felt like they were um, fighting a losing battle. And maybe some of you here today, you feel like you're fighting a losing battle. There's some situation that just, it's overwhelming you. Water is flooding in the boat. Could be a health issue that you just don't, know how to fix it. The doctors don't know how to fix it for you or for a loved one. Could be a, a, a family issue, your marriage. You've been fighting for your marriage, but it feels like a losing battle. Could be a financial situation that you just feel like you're drowning in financial problems. It could even be, and as I was praying about this moment, it could be a, a situation that you've even stopped praying about. Like you just gave up and God doesn't want you to give up praying. What do you need to write down on that card that just says, this is what I'm believing for. This is, you're a wonder working God. This is the miracle I need to see. This is what I'm asking 
for you. And it might be for a, a loved one, a friend that you know. If you're not in a storm right now, you know somebody who is in a storm. I want you to take a moment to write that down. The second thing that you might need to write down is in the second storm, Peter calls out, uh, Lord, if it's you, call me out. And he steps out. This is an area of spiritual growth. Where do you need to grow? Where do you need to trust God? What area of your life do you need to see God do a miracle on the inside of you that causes you to grow spiritually closer to him? It could be an area you've not released to him yet. It could be um, in a relationship or it could be in your finances. You still think you're your provider. It could be in your business that you need to actually make it his business and not your business. Where do you need to step out? I'm gonna give you a moment to, to write these down. And uh, after the service, there's big walls set up across all of our campuses or places where you can go and post these as prayers before God. And we will actually be praying over these all throughout the month, believing God with you that these prayer requests, these needs in your family, in your life are gonna be heard by God and we're gonna see God move in the miraculous because he is a miracle working God. I'm gonna give you a moment to write these down and then the campus pastors are gonna come and... Uh, Take a moment to pray over this request. Pray over what we're believing God for and to pray over you in this time. Church, I believe that we are gonna see a, a wonder-working God do some amazing things over these next few weeks as we believe Him for the miraculous. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.